Hey, everybody. Thanks for stopping by today for the bonus episode of the Creative Sheep podcast. Uh, the podcast brought to you by creativesheep.org. And this is the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. Uh, last week, we talked to Kerry Newhoff, uh, the lead pastor of Connexus Church. He has kerrynewhoff.com, which is his blog, as well as his podcast, the Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast. And one question we like to ask all of our guests, well, actually two, are how do you manage your time and what do you do to stay refreshed? And he had so much good to say, we actually created a bonus episode. So uh, without any further ado, check out our conversation with Kerry Newhoff. Well, Kerry, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It is an absolute honor to have you here. Hey, it's great to be here, Jared. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's let's uh, let's jump in here real quick. Kerry Newhoff. I, I think it's it's becoming more of a household name these days. Your your podcast and your blog have been such an inspiration to our team here at Creative Sheep, as well as the team I lead uh, at at Church on the Move. Um, give us a little backstory. When did you get into ministry? How did you get started? Well, I appreciate that. I mean, thanks for sharing that, and that is that is the fuel for doing this. You know, that actually helps leaders you know, leaders of small churches and, you know, even, you know, I'm amazed leaders of large influential churches like yours, uh, that's just, that's humbling and it's inspiring and it, it keeps me coming back at it. Yeah, I've been in ministry for two decades now, so wow. uh, I'm the lead pastor of Connexus Church in Canada, just north of Toronto, and I started, I actually, you know, never really sensed a call to ministry until I was in law school. From the time I was eight years old, I wanted to be a lawyer. And oh, wow. so went went to law school, got into law school, and my dreams was, you know, had crazy ambitions to be in the Supreme Court of our country by the time I was 30, not sitting as a judge, but arguing. And uh, and the best thing to come out of law school was my wife. We met in first year. We were in the same section. But halfway through law school, you know, I was a young Christian, mm-hmm. but uh, sort of supernaturally, and we could spend all day talking about it, sensed a call into ministry. And was really surprised by it, took a couple years to chase it down, finished law, uh, article, like practiced for a year in downtown Toronto, uh, got called to the bar, and then promptly resigned and went directly into seminary. So it was wow. there that I was trying to figure out, like, what is this call? What is that? I, I did not have the gift set to be a pastor, like I'm not a chaplain-type person. Mm-hmm. And so it was really confusing to me. And... Uh, Halfway through seminary, my wife and I heard about these things. We were in a mainline church called Student Charges, and basically if you couldn't afford a real pastor, you hired a student for cheap. (laughs) And we said, well, why don't we just try it out? And so we came up to where I live now 20 years ago, to three small plateaued-slash-dying churches, and I was, you know, sort of their last hope. It's like we either grow or we die. Mm. And so... Uh, started ministry here, and God was gracious, and the churches started to grow. Within five years, we had voted to sell our existing buildings. We had outgrown one of them, and we're growing in all three churches, and decided to move to an elementary school and start a new church with a new name on a new site and a new mission, mm-hmm. and uh, did that, and then moved into a brand-new $2 million facility about uh, three years after that. Wow. And then probably about the 12-year mark really sensed this urging, this, this question, what if we did this again in a non-denominational context? So I mm. uh, tried to, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it, 
uh, by the building from the denomination. That conversation did not go well. And, uh, and so uh, went north and south and started over again as Connexus Church in two locations. Mm. And uh, started again with zero dollars, and, you know, we thought a lot of people would come. Some did. A lot of people just, in the end, decided church for unchurched people wasn't for them. And, and started again, and now we're about 1,100 people on a Sunday morning. Uh, we have two locations. We're going to be expanding in new locations in the future. Um, just moved into a brand-new $2.8 million building. Wow. And uh, our, you know, have our, about 60% of the people who come to our church are unchurched. So wow. uh, that's sort of been the journey. And in the process, done a lot of things wrong, got one or two things right, <laughs> and have seen God do some incredible things. And then about... You know, 10 years ago, uh, I met Reggie Joyner, who introduced me to Andy and, and the people at North Point. And yeah. when we became a strategic partner around that time, started, you know, Reggie said, hey, why don't I always done speaking, you know, on the side. But he said, why don't you do some speaking? And then he said, hey, you and I are going to write a book together. So five years ago, we released Parenting Beyond Your Capacity mm-hmm. and kind of got bitten with the writing bug and took my blog more seriously three years ago and started blogging on a regular basis. And um, you know, God's really blown that up far bigger than I, I, I never even thought. <laughs> you know, I just thought, oh, just a local church guy blogging and had no idea it would, you know, reach as many leaders as it does. And, and then about, uh, you know, kept writing. So I'm just releasing my third book, Lasting Impact, and would like to keep writing in the future. Kind of got bitten with that bug. And then, um, you know, a year ago started the podcast. My kids are a little bit older now. They're 23 and 19. Mm. So... I always say to young parents, it's like, hey, when your kids get older, it's like God gives you an eighth day. And the question (laughs) is, what do you do with it? Because, you know, they just don't need you as much anymore. Hopefully they're becoming semi-independent, and (laughs) that's the goal, right? Right. And uh, my wife's got stuff she loves to do. We have lots of date nights. We're going out for dinner tonight. But just, you know, my hobby, rather than trying to lower my pathetic golf score, you know, spend endless days on the beach uh, in my spare time is I just write and blog and podcast and really enjoy that and speak. Very cool. Well, I mean, on behalf of, of all of us, again, thank you for doing this. It's what you're doing is so, so helpful. Um, and with that, you kind of you kind of beat me to the punch here on one of these next questions I was going to ask. One of the questions I love asking every guest that comes on the show is, mm-hmm. is how do you manage your time? What does your week look like? Because I see, like you said, you're leading a church uh, of uh, on a weekly basis. You said about 1,200 people or so. Um, you're already in two locations looking to expand. Um, so, I mean, you're by no means a small church, which could be enough of a load for most people to carry right there, but you're also, mm-hmm. like you said, writing books. Uh, you've got this incredible blog, uh, an amazing podcast, which, folks, if you're not listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, you're doing yourself an extreme disservice. You need to go subscribe to his podcast right now. In fact, unsubscribe from the Creative Sheet podcast and go subscribe to <laughs> the, the Carrie don't Newhoff <laughs> Leadership Podcast. Uh, yeah, no, don't do that. But uh, you're doing all of these things, uh, and it, it, it's easy for especially a young leader like myself to look at you, and l- like you said, it's like you get an eighth day. To, to a lot of us young leaders, mm-hmm. it almost looks like someone like yourself has more time than we actually have. Somehow you've unlocked this magical code or potion or something that you have more time than I have, um, when, it, when obviously that's not the case. So what does your week look like uh, on, a, on a regular basis if there is kind of a normal routine that you go through? Yeah, there is a pattern, and I appreciate the way you frame the question. You know, there is a pattern. 
And I think it's a pattern any leader can get into. And we've all read management books about, you know, the tyranny of the urgent versus the important. Mm. But often that doesn't make it into your calendar. And so I had some corporate coaching by a guy named Gary Reinecke a few years ago, probably five, six years ago, you know, before all this really took off. And he really, and a couple of other coaches, really helped me look at my time. And uh, I realized, like everybody, there's always demands on my time and I'm not very good at saying no. And I don't like to disappoint people. I like to please people. And like Sunday, last Sunday, I got stopped. People will appreciate this. I got stopped. Literally. I walked off the stage after preaching part two of the series we're in. And I had one guy say, Hey, we've just decided to come to your church. And I could tell he was a transfer guy, which is not always a problem, but mm-hmm. you know, he's just like, Hey, I need to meet with you in the next 30 days. What is the likelihood of that? And I mean, I'm just, I'm just not going to meet with him. I meet with leaders. I meet with staff. Yeah. I, there's no good reason for me. It's not that I'm a mean guy. I mm-hmm. meet with people I, I don't know. Like, you know, I'll always build into an unchurched guy and have breakfast, but I kind of put him off on, on my assistant, who is just Sarah. She's brilliant at handling people and saying no and making them feel like she said yes. <laughs> so literally, as I hand him off to Sarah, this other guy stops me. And, and I'm not making this up. He says, I need to meet with you in the next 30 days. I've decided to make this church my home. And he, too, was transfer growth. And I'm trying to get to the unchurched people in the foyer. Yeah. You know? So I'm like, oh, not another conversation like this. And he was like, I need to talk to you in the next 30 days. I want to find out your position on the end times. Hmm. And I'm like, ugh. And at this point, my assistant's not there. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's awkward because your whole day fills up with conversations like that. That at the end of the day, I don't think it's really, I don't think I'm going to solve the end times for him. Secondly, that's not a major emphasis right. of our church, you know. And, yeah. and so finally, I'm like, how do I deal with this? And I just said to him, while we're standing by the sound booth, look, you know, I would love to meet with you in the next 30 days. Realistically, that's probably not going to happen. But here's, here's the deal. You know, and that, that's maybe rude. And it, but I told you, I didn't plan on being a pastor, and I'm not very pastoral. So maybe, you know, it works. But <laughs> anyway, I, I, said, I said to him, I preached through a nine-part series called Skeptics Wanted last year. He said, yeah, I saw that on your website. I said, great. I said, there is a week I spent 45 minutes unpacking why a loving God would send people to hell, which was the essence of his question. Hmm. I just said, I am not going to do better than that at lunch no matter how many questions you ask. Hmm. Why don't you go back, listen to that message, and then see if you have any more questions. And then I said, I'm sorry, I got to go. I got to meet some people. And I walked away. Now, if he doesn't return to our church, that's okay. He's got another church that he can go to. I've got to go meet unchurched people, and I will have breakfast with unchurched people or people I'm trying to disciple. And so I leave like two breakfast slots a week, Mostly it's leaders in our church, key staff or elders, or sometimes it's my unchurched friends I'll have breakfast with, or, you know, it's Andy Stanley, do for one, what you wish you could do for everyone, you know, guys yeah. who've been in affairs or had a bad marriage, I'll meet with them for breakfast for a season. I have two slots of those a week. They fill up pretty quick. Sure. Um, generally, the rest of my fixed calendar, because, and I, that was a long way to say this, your whole life is going to look like that. Unless you decide it's not to, not going to. Yeah. And so I just decided five years ago, every Monday and every Wednesday are work on it days, not work in it days. I rarely oh, wow. book meetings. 
rarely book meetings, um, and and I block those off. That's where I write my sermons. That's where I write my series. I've got a special offering we're doing at our church. I got to write a lot of content for that. I got to write the angle. I've got to write the offering talks. I got to write emails for that that we're sending out to people. You know that that your family is going to suffer for that because you're doing that on a Friday night or a Saturday. Right. Or you're just going to decide that that's the most important thing I can do with my time. And we know when I preach well, our church does better. When I don't preach as well, the church doesn't do as well. And probably my greatest contribution to our team is content creation and visionary leadership. So I spend Monday and Wednesday doing that. And then when people say, can you meet on Monday? The answer is, I can't. I got something to do. Now, my calendar might be blank. It says writing day. But then I've decided I'm setting aside eight or nine hours that day to write. Wow. And as a result, I can write. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes for me, I'll go for a bike ride because I find I come up with my best ideas when I'm not sitting in front of a computer screen. Right. So that's already predetermined. It's a priority. A priority is simply a predecision about your time. So Monday and Wednesday, that's what I do. Tuesday and Thursday are meeting days. Yeah. I hate meetings. Ask anyone on my team. <laughs> you know, there's some I like. I like it when we're trying to solve the future. I do not like, okay, so to get to this, blah, 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 blah. But I limit it to two days a week. And, you know, the reality is those Mondays and Wednesdays, I don't go into the office. I sit at my house because people don't bug me at my house. <laughs> if I go into the office and try to write, people are knocking on my door. Hey, can you just sit on this one meeting for 10 minutes? Hey, can you just? And it's like, no. Yeah. So I just stay home. Wow. And I write out of my home office. Now, my kids are older and, you know, they're gone. Actually, we're empty nesters at this point for a year. So the house is empty. So it's, it's very distraction-free. And and then, you know, that's all the time I have for meetings in the week. If you want more meetings, it doesn't work. Now, you know, this week we did two days of strategic planning. It happened on a Monday and Tuesday. But because I knew this was coming down the pipe and I plan ahead, I took an entire week off all meetings in August. And the series we're in right now, I'm preaching live, was completed before it began. So that's how I get stuff done. Wow. Um, Fridays is a float day, so I know we had to reschedule. I think actually we rescheduled this podcast originally because I decided to take that writing retreat a month yeah. ago when we looked at yeah. at, and I'm like, I just can't do it. I'm sure. sorry. And so I ended up saying no, not no forever, but like, let, let's do it another time. Friday's a day where, you know, I'm going to dust off my sermon. I'm going to go for a bike ride. Uh, I'm going to write some content for Conexus. I'm working on a blog post this morning. That I'm going to do Monday. Uh, I have to record an audio book on Saturday, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So so that's it. But Friday tends to be a float day where often I'll do Conexus work and some outside work, some of the stuff I write. And then and then Saturday's uh, a day off. And then Sunday, you know, I'm preaching. And by the time 2 o'clock rolls around, I'm ready for a nap. <laughs> so um, that's sort of my day. The other the other secret sauce is is just get up early. Man, it's like it's like, you know, life is like traffic patterns. Right. If you want to, I live an hour north of Toronto and whatever city you're near, Toronto has horrible traffic. Everybody says, oh, city, you know, traffic's so bad in my city. Man, you should come to Toronto. I mean, if you leave at 5 a.m., you can get to downtown Toronto, like right at the CN Tower in, in an hour and 15 minutes from my house. No problem. If you leave at 7 o'clock in the morning, it could take you three hours. Oh, the wow. only difference, it's not the distance, it's just traffic. Yeah. So if you leave at 5, you're beating everybody. I think leadership is like that. I get up very early this morning without an alarm. I woke up at 4.30. Uh, I'm working on a big blog post for the first two hours of the day. I have my devotions. I have a cup of tea. You know, I work on a blog post. And then, and then nobody bugs you. Nobody's texting you at 6 a.m. 
nobody's you know all up in your inbox at 6 a.m yeah you can get ton done and as a creative i don't know whether you find this jared i'm a morning person my best ideas are gone by 10 Mm. i'll shift gears around eight and i'll work on a sermon i'll work on a message i'll work on you know that offering announcement i've got to work on or a new series or christmas series or something like that and then and then by noon i'll start responding to stuff i can clean out an inbox when i'm half brain dead i can you know, yeah. um, do other stuff, return phone calls. But that that creative priority time is really good. And then probably one of the best ideas, actually, it was a colleague of yours, Whit George, who I just met earlier this week, who had the best answer. Like, people are like, okay, well, how do you get all this content done? I think about it all the time. And mm-hmm. it is my hobby. This is what I do in my spare time. So, you know, on a Saturday, I'll record a bonus episode for my podcast. And I really enjoy doing it. If Mm -hmm. you really, you know, and I'm not out trying to lower my golf score. I'm not out, you know, I'm not leveling up on, 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 you know, PS4. Um, And I'm not saying that's (laughs) wrong, but, but you can't, can't do everything. A few years ago, I had a big insight. It's like every, you know, this is not profound, but everybody in the world has the same amount of time every single day, only two exceptions. When you, day you're born, day you die. So the question is, what are you doing with it? Like, mm-hmm. if you were elected president of the United States, they don't give you another six hours a day. You have to do everything you need to get done in 24 hours, probably 18 if you're going to stay fresh. Yeah. And maybe maybe even, you know, you'll, you'll sleep eight hours a night. I take my sleep very seriously, and I try to get six to eight hours, so I go to bed early. You know, I don't mm-hmm. stay out late. If we go for dinner, if we have people over, it's like, yep, we retire early. That's just what we do. But it allows me to be productive and allows me to be fresh. And so I just realized, hey, the people I admire the most get exactly the same amount of time as I do. Mm -hmm. The only question is they're using it differently and they're using it more effectively. And I can spend my life responding to people who at the end of the day don't need my time and I'm not really helping them or I can spend my life creating stuff that helps a lot of people. And I want to spend my life creating stuff that helps people. Man, that's really good. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, and one thing you alluded to there, you talked about it in a couple of different parts, but uh, the next question I have for you is how do you stay refreshed? I know you said you take your sleep very mm. seriously. Um, you, you talked about taking bike rides, and I've seen you on social posting pictures of out, out for a bike yeah. ride. Um, That's where I'm going right after we're done. Oh, awesome, yep. awesome. So what, what, what other kinds of things do you do to, to stay refreshed, to avoid burnout and that kind of thing? Yeah, well, I did burn out, and so that's where I learned that lesson. It's so funny because I burnt out when our church was like half the size it is now, and and I burnt out when I wasn't writing books and wasn't speaking and wasn't doing a podcast and I wasn't, you know. Wow. So I burnt out when I was accomplishing half of what I'm accomplishing today, maybe a quarter. And and there there's an and I was working longer hours, and you know I hadn't decided that I was going to spend my time proactively rather than reactively. I hadn't figured out a way to say no. Mm. And so since I burned out, I just, you know, I've I've realized I spent the month of August, 2006 sleeping, I think not Mm. quite, but like 12 hours a night. And I came to believe, I don't know if this is true. It's just my theory um, that sleep, sleep, accrues into debt just like money does you Mm. know if you Mm -hmm. spend more than you make you don't just run a deficit eventually you get debt yeah and 
sleep is the same way. And I feel like I spent the summer of 06 paying off my sleep debt from a decade in leadership. Wow. And once it was paid up and I was sort of at zero again, I just, I just had to watch my deficit. So, you know, right now I'm in a season where I've worked real hard. We had two full days of strategic planning. I flew to Boston, spoke at a conference, flew back. You know, I've been cruising on four or five hours uh, a night of sleep. I'm going to compensate for that this weekend, you know. And I, I don't sleep 10 hours. I, I just can't. But, you know, I'll try to make sure I get eight hours tonight and again tomorrow night. And then, hey, paid off. I feel better. I'm recalibrated. Yeah. So sleep is a big part of it. And, I mean, more and more research is showing that impacts how you think. It impacts the quality of your thought, that being sleep-deprived is the equivalent of having, like, three or four alcoholic drinks in your system. Oh, You're wow. just not sharp. Your judgment is off. And so, you know, ma- many people think, I'm going to get ahead by cheating sleep. You actually fall behind. So I take my sleep very seriously. I'm, I'm a frequent, not frequent napper, like, three times a day, but, like, <laughs> Several times a week, I'll take a nap, and it's just, you know, Michael Hyatt takes one every day, he says. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Like, I think that's really good, and I find if I take a nap at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, it's like I just woke up, and it's 5 a.m. all over again. It doesn't last as long, but, you know, I'll have, you know, two or three great creative hours that follow that, and then I don't have a lot of, like I said, writing fuels me, um, you know, podcasting fuels me, like that stuff gives me energy, mm-hmm. and I try to have a few close friendships that give me energy because sometimes ministry can be very draining. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm not a real exerciser. I hate gyms, even though I should go to one. But I found a form I like, which is cycling. And so, like, that's something that's just a release for me. And I'll go out for an hour, hour and a half and just cycle. And so, you know, and then I love my wife and we travel together. We spend time together. We go hiking. We're going out for dinner tonight. Like, that to me is fun. So, that's what I do to stay fresh. I think to me, it's like, okay, what's in the column that drains your energy? What's in the column that gives you energy? Sleep gives me energy. My family gives me energy. My friends, you know, my mm-hmm. personal friends give me energy. Uh, the work I do on the side gives me energy. Uh, cycling gives me energy. Content creation gives me energy at work, you know. And and so, you know, try to keep your job in the energy plus side and try to keep your life in the energy plus side. And you always have to do things that drain you. But as long as the stuff that energizes you is greater than the stuff that drains you, you're going to stay fresh. Yeah, that's really good. And folks, if you're looking for more info on that, Carrie, I believe you actually wrote a blog about uh, the burnout um, and kind of how you recovered I've written from a it. few. So yeah, probably the, the easiest um, Perry Noble is is a friend who also burned out. Mm-hmm. And Perry and I, actually, the second episode of my podcast, uh, Perry and his staff were amazing. They put together sort of all of Perry's resources on burnout. <laughs> and oh, wow. I put my resources on burnout together. And, I mean, I hope you don't hear that if you're, you know, don't go to this because you think it's self-promoting. But if you're burning out or you're tired, you can just find that at my blog, com slash episode two just episode two slash episode two. And, and that's a whole page of free resources on burnout. And I hear from burnout, uh, like people in ministry who are burning out like twice this week. Oh wow! I got calls from leaders who are leading significant churches who are burning out hmm. and it's just an epidemic in ministry. And having been there, I don't judge. I just <laughs> empathize. Yeah. Like, man, yeah, you end up there before you know it. And I, I'm just, you know, I'm just cognizant of it. It's just a couple of times I've felt like I'm falling over that edge, and I haven't yet by the grace of God. So 
you know, but it could happen. And I, and I think knowing it could happen again makes me more diligent about making sure it doesn't happen again. Man, that's so good. And that episode with Perry, uh, like he like he said, go listen to this. It is a an incredible uh, conversation. Perry is incredibly uh, transparent and vulnerable in this episode. Yeah. Uh, definitely worth the listen. And even for folks that maybe you're on the brink of burnout or maybe you're not at all, but just to, some things that he talks about to help you avoid burnout, um, making hey, sure Perry. you're doing something for fun and things like that. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Kerry. No, no. Sorry, Jared. I cut you off. Um, man, Perry was at the edge of suicide. Like he had like serious suicidal thoughts. He was that depressed. And I had moments that summer where I thought, you know, the only way out is to drive this car into a brick wall. And, you know, thank God, literally, those those thoughts didn't win the day. Right. So if you're there and you're listening to this and that's what's going through your head, man, don't don't sit there alone any longer. Absolutely. Get some help. Absolutely. And with Perry's story, it's incredible because it was in, it was like at the height of his church, like they were having explosive growth. And I mean, it was like not a time you would naturally think that someone's going to be down in the dumps. Uh, It was, was but you know, that's what happened to me too. Really? Our church had never been bigger. Our church had never been bigger. And the crash started in May of 2006. I had literally just gotten off the plane and given the biggest talk of my life. I had finally been invited to speak at a big church, at a conference, and I spoke at North Point for the first time. I was on the main stage at a conference with 2,500 people in the East Auditorium. Wow. And Andy Stanley and Reggie Joyner sitting in the front row listening. Wow. And, I mean, it doesn't get a lot better than that right. during ministry. Right. <laughs> you know, and I got off the plane, and and I just started to tank inexplicably. Hmm. But it was years and years of just neglect in certain areas of my life and, wow. and just burning the candle at both ends that caught up. And, you know, by the grace of God, it you know, took me a while, but I was able to climb out. And now I just, I just feel healthier than I did when I was 29. Wow. But, so thankful you that know, you do. Yeah. So thankful that you do. So am I. So am I. So <laughs> my family. Gosh. I'm sure. Yeah.